everybody. Welcome back to what is guaranteed to be one of our best episodes of the season. We are fired up. I am your co-host, Rusty Buckets, tuning in tonight as we are, Drew, we are less than two weeks away from the kickoff of the greatest sporting season that we Americans have. And so I'm welcoming my co-host, Drew Gann, to the podcast. Welcome in, sir. Let our listeners know what we're fired up about. Yeah, man. Uh, we got college football coming. I mean, it's funny. Every single spring when football's over, I kind of pretend like the greatest season of the greatest sport of all time is coming in college baseball. But then, like, you start getting towards the end of summer and you start seeing Labor Day coming up and you realize, like, yeah, that is – baseball's great. Don't get me wrong. College baseball especially is great. But ultimately, it just gets it just gets you through – until you get to football, because football not, is king here in Mississippi and in the southeast, and as a member of the ever-growing Southeastern Conference, <laughs> uh, it's king here, and I cannot wait to dive into it. It's our, going to be our first full season recapping yeah. the SEC on the podcast. We started just, uh, I think, a week before the Egg Bowl maybe last year, or two weeks before the Egg Bowl last year. I think we determined it was around like November the 10th. Yeah, so two weeks before the Egg Bowl last year, and so now we get a full college football season starting from the great kickoff week and then the three weeks of crap football and then (laughs) here we go again so uh we're going to dive into six sec teams this week we will get six more next week and then the week the wednesday leading up to college football season rusty and i will go to war as we as we preview Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Uh, we're going that to make that a whole episode. <laughs> that's guaranteed to be our most civil episode yet. Yeah, it will be the last episode of the Two Buck Sports Podcast. <laughs> we will be insufferable that night. Yeah. But, Drew, you're right. This is one of the best times of the year. It reminds me of my childhood growing up. You you met my granddad. You remember him. Uh, rest in peace, Jack K. Witten. He, uh, every year around this time, we have to go to Walmart and pick up the Athlon Sports Book. You know, the yeah. big, thick college football preview that had all the listings out there of each team's preview and he only picked the ones that had Alabama on the cover he didn't want nothing to do with any of the other ones but uh, RIP granddad that was for you just a great time of the year just that build up of like you know I mean Tennessee they're the best football team every year from January to August until it's time to play and so we're coming up to that point now where we're going to have to start putting pen to paper and pads on and we're going to actually play football I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Uh, unfortunately for both of us, uh, week one just is a cool. dud. And <laughs> really, weeks one through three probably are duds mm. for us. We'll get into Ole Miss Mississippi State later. Yeah. Uh, but before we get started talking about college football, we want to take a few minutes just to uh, set the table here and, and prime the pump and uh, catch some other sports topics real quick. So, Rusty, what do you have for us? Well, first up, Drew, you know, we've started this new segment. It's uh, been yeah, a hit. Right. We've been enjoying this. So we're going to start with our beef because it's easy to pick out something that's that's like, what's your beef this week? We were talking about that off air. Like best sometimes it's hard to pick out because you kind of go through the motions during the day, but it's easy to pick out those things that just annoy you and piss you off. So what's your Bucks beef of the week? Yeah, so we recorded the podcast last week, and uh, I had a pretty good beef, but then, you know, a lot of times – beefs don't stick with me throughout the week like it's a lot of time it happened the day of or the day before we record the podcast this one has stuck with me since last friday night so the tip of county fair was in town and we're small town folks the fair is most of the time the biggest thing that happens in our small town every year 
and uh, we've never went to the rodeo. I've never, you know, I grew up in Cosworth, Mississippi. I'm 31 years old. I've never been to a rodeo before. It wasn't my dad's Man. thing. We just, I just never went. And the we kids grew were up really, to him all the time. yeah. So most people have. I mean, at least been to one or two. Uh, I mean, heck, we had a professional saddle bronc rider on our podcast, and I've <laughs> never been to a rodeo before. And so I told the kids we're gonna go, you know, watch some uh, bronc riding. Uh, they had uh, they had bronc riding, bull riding, roping, barrel racing, the whole shooting match. And so we get there, and my wife sends me a rundown of kind of the schedule, and it shows the process to get in the gates, and the process say five dollars a ticket a, a person, or twenty five dollars for a carload. Okay, you following my math here? Uh huh. And so we all pile up in my dad's car. He's got a Chevy Traverse. It fits fits seven. All seven of us get in there. That'll be me and my wife and kids and my mom and dad. And we roll up to the front gate, and we said, one carload, and there's seven of us. Rusty, you should have saw the way this woman looked at us. <laughs> like we were trying to steal money, and she was she caught us red-handed. <laughs> and she was like, y'all didn't fit in a car. I said, what are you talking about? I said, well, I mean, they make cars that fit seven people. Like this is, you know, this is a pretty common thing. I don't know if you've heard of SUVs or not. She said, that sounds like a van. I was like, well, no, it's a, it's a SUV. Like, it's a car. I don't, you know. And she was like, nope, can't get in. Seven people cannot fit into a car. And so I was like, and I was just like, okay, this is dumb. And Dad started to argue, but he was like, here, just take our money and go. What made me mad was like, so five people paying $5 a person to get in is $25. One mm-hmm. carload is by her definition is five people which is twenty five dollars where is the deal what's the point it makes no sense to me why you're going to charge twenty five dollars a car load if a car can only charge can only hold according to her five people which will be twenty five dollars that rodeo math ain't math we might need to get cody back on here to help us sort that out and so (laughs) somehow we ended up paying forty dollars (laughs) <laughs> to get into the <laughs> rodeo and it has bothered me ever since not that it was like an outrageous prize but it was like why the way she looked at me like we were stealing we were trying to steal from her right in front of her face when we told her <laughs> that we came in a car an actual car was just beyond me what about you what's your beef for the day, for the week stupidity runs deep sometimes man and that's hard to get over but Mine is similar. It has to do with cars and being on vacation last week and then get back in the swing of some things this week at church and grocery store, getting set up for this week. I realize there's something that really just ticks me off in parking lots. And that's when you're pulling down an aisle and you see, oh, there's an open spot up here on my right. Okay, what luck I have. And as you pull up to it, there's a little Civic or a Prius or a Kia that's pulled <laughs> all the way up to the curb that you can't see because of the Durango or the, the Chrysler Town and Country, whatever that's next to it. And you think, man, I've been a whippish truck in here right. and only to be upended by a little bitty car that completely throws it off. And it's just like, 
Oh, I think it should be a law that if you drive a small car, you have to park at the edge of the parking spot so you don't give anybody <laughs> false hope. That's false advertisement. I need to be able to see your taillights. That's it. Like, I need to be able to see that there's a car in there because, you know, I drive a truck, so I have to back into the parking spot. You it is the truth. It's, it's the law. You have to. It, it comes in the, it is in the owner's manual. And so as I pull in to go over to back in, in South Carolina, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I look in the I look in my in my rearview mirror only to see a little car in there. Now I'm in an awkward position where I'm stuck halfway, <laughs> you know, turned in a in a parking lot lane, and I can't back into yeah. the spot. The worst are motorcycles when they take up a mm-hmm. full parking spot, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, just pull up next to the door. You have a motorcycle, yeah. that's fine with me. You know, if yeah. you want to you want to pay the price to and risk losing your life by driving a two-wheeled vehicle then just park it by the door i don't care yeah. leave the parking spots the full-size parking spots for full-size vehicles or at least pull up against the curb where we can share i can pull in there with you <laughs> right well you're not sharing many parking us parking spot with many vehicles driving that no. that dodge ram no it's going to fill it up so <laughs> they need to park in the striped spots or they need to park up front by the door i am for motorcycle parking on the sidewalk in front of walmart yeah so that's our base right. for the week uh, speaking of people that uh, have beef, I don't know mm. if you've seen this, Rusty, but a cornerstone movie from my childhood has been... Uh, we've seen how the sausage is made, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, reports came out today, and if you got on Twitter at all, you saw all the jokes and how all the people that were claiming they knew this all along. It's obvious. But Michael Lord came out and is suing the Tui family, the family who quote-unquote adopted him when he was a soft, uh, 16 years old, sophomore, mm-hmm. junior in high school. Going a rising junior. Right. So he's suing them uh, for a myriad of reasons, but basically to, to have them lift a conservatorship that they have on him. So if you remember the movie, the story goes that Michael Orr, was a kid from a bad neighborhood with a mom that was on drugs and he had a really hard life. I think he was the 11th of 12 yeah, kids, something, something like, that. like that. One of 12 kids, one of the younger of 12 kids. And his mother was strung out on drugs and he made friends with S.J. Tui and uh, that led to the Tui family who is a prominent fixture in the Memphis community as well as the Oxford community because Leanne was a cheerleader there and Sean was a two-time All-American or was an All-American at Ole Miss playing point guard. And so they took him in, fed him, clothed him. Uh, according to the movie, they learned school to him. and uh, Learned school to him. And uh, then he chose to play football at Ole Miss. Uh, there was a big scandal. The NCAA wasn't going to let him play football at Ole Miss because they considered Sean Tui a booster to the to the athletics program, which he was, and they thought this was shady business. You're taking in an at-risk youth in order to play left tackle for Ole Miss in the future. Uh, and so what Michael Orr thought was an adoption. They came to him and asked if they would like to adopt him. This was a... Uh, and wanted to make him part of the family, but also this would get the NCAA off of his back. They were able to, they said, let us, we would like to adopt you, make you a member of our family, and that way it'll also show the NCAA that we mean business and we're not doing this just for the gain of our beloved university and their football program. Flash forward 
15, 18 years, whatever it is now, Michael Orr said what he thought was an adoption was actually a conservatorship. Uh, if that rings a bell to anybody, any of our listeners, a conservatorship was a hot topic and a, a buzzword because that's what Britney Spears is under. Right. Her dad has her under a conservatorship, which basically allows them, uh, the best way I can put it is it gives them power of attorney over him. And so he alleges that they, every member of the family, the biological family, Sean, Sean, uh, Leanne, SJ, and their daughter, their oldest daughter, uh, got a $225,000 lump sum of money for the rights to be have the blindside made about them, as well as a two and a half percent, two and a half percent of all proceeds, all profits go to the Tui family. Right. And uh, Michael Orr got none. And they were able, and he alleges that they were able to make this decision for him, and he had no say in it because of this conservatorship. And reminder, he thought this was an adoption. But because of all of his fame and money now as a first-round draft pick, he wasn't hurting for cash at the moment. He never really investigated it, you know, whatever. Uh, and so now he alleges that they've profited off of him and basically have made all of his life decisions for him. Uh, and he has nothing to do about it. And so he wants the conservatorship lifted. And so uh, it looks really, really shady from the get-go. It looks shady on both sides. And I think there's some, there's some there's been some comments on Twitter today about why did he wait this long, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. But at the end of the day, if what he's alleging is true and the Tui's merely set up a conservatorship to where they could profit off of his name, that SJ and their daughter, I'm blanking on her name. I, I had it in my head and I blanked on it too. I'll think of it. It's, a, it's an odd name, but anyway, can profit off of this, and Michael Orr sees none of it. The movie being about him, but he's not getting any profit of this is This is shady business. This is a scumbag move, and it's not one that's going to sit well with America at large. You know, in the movie, Sandra Bullock as Leanne Tui, you know, is all about Collins. integrity. Collins, Collins that's it. I knew it was like a family name. Um, all about integrity. Don't you lie to me. You tell me the truth. All this stuff. And if that's the case, and they've been lying to Michael Orr all these years, it's a terrible look. It's a terrible look. And I don't know how you can do that to somebody that you care about. You bring them in off the streets. You give them a new life. You have an opportunity for them to kind of pull themselves out of it. And, you know, by all intents and purposes, he did by going on to sign a major NFL contract. But the fact that you had a movie made about him and he's not going to see any of the profits off of it because they allegedly told him, oh, we're not making that much money. We got a flat fee and we're not seeing a lot of money from it. And what he's alleging and his lawyers are alleging, and the proof is that, yes, it was in fact a conservatorship, that they actually made a lot of money off that movie and he did not. Right. And I want to couch this by saying this is what he alleges. And what he alleges is exactly. a 2.5% cut of any profits that are made, net profits. That movie mm-hmm. made three hundred million dollars. I did the math. It was quick, simple math. Two and a half percent of three hundred million dollars is seven point five million dollars. <laughs> and they and he alleges that all four of them got a five a two and a half percent cut. So seven and a half million dollars 
per family member, blood biological family member. That's $30 million that they got off right. of his name and likeness before NIL was a thing. Right. So I want to – he also – I wanted to get into this as well because I've always heard this as a rumor as an Ole Miss fan and, and kind of how it, it was portrayed. I've always heard that he had a real problem with how he's portrayed, but he was on yes. hard times. But right. he was they the movie portrayed him as an idiot. Not an idiot. Just but being like dumb. he he was dumb. You know, there's that scene at the table where where S. J. Tui uh <laughs> teaches him how to play football by using spice bottles and different condiment bottles on the table. And he's like, I, it was that was never it. It's an over dramification, it's an oversimplification of who he was as a person. He's and he said he let it go yeah. because he felt like it helped more people than hurt than hurt. So he let it go, knowing the whole time he already knew football and was a pretty smart kid coming into the quote unquote adoption. But what he found, because he was, uh, if my memory serves me correctly, he was undoubtedly one of the top left tackle prospects in the NFL draft at that year, and he kind of slid in the first round. And what he alleges in this document is that based on how he was portrayed in this movie, that teams saw him as dumb. Or mm-hmm. had lack of leadership, or was a slow yeah. learner. You know, he had to have his hand held just to get through high school, and that was never the case. And so it was just a very poor depiction of the person outside of football that Michael Orr was. And so, right, and he was already a freak athlete coming into it in track or in basketball and football. And by them going to this prominent Christian Memphis school that has a reputable athletics program, it gave him more exposure. So he was already a top offensive line prospect. When the Tuies brought him in, they were just betting on the fact that this large guy who is a menace on the football field was going to develop into what he ended up being. And crazy enough, the worst depiction is not even him in that movie. Or the most ac- – I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. The most accurately descriptive person in that movie. You know, you've got Coach O in there. He makes a cameo. Nick Saban makes a cameo. Um Houston Nutt comes in, makes a cameo. But the most accurately portrayed person is his high school football coach, Burt Cotton, who is just <laughs> an imbecile, who is just a cowardice of a man. Uh, most of you probably know this, but Burt Cotton was not his high school football coach. His name was changed. His high school football coach was one Hugh Freeze. <laughs> and so, exactly. yes, he was a bumbling idiot in, in high school, and he's a bumbling <laughs> idiot now. It's fair. Now. <laughs> so I want, to, I want to tackle this from the other side, though, because I did read uh, Sean Tui's statement. I don't know if you saw this or not. Uh, he came out to, with Jeff Calkins with the Daily Memphian and released a statement. And I believe that when you look at these, most of the time the truth is somewhere in the middle. It may be 60-40, right. maybe 75-25, but it's somewhere in the middle. And Sean Tui – He's a man of infinite wealth, uh, and so he's got good lawyers, can come up with good statements. You can couch this however you want to, however you buy This is how you you can make an excuse for it. But Sean Tui, in his statement, I'm um, paraphrasing, says, yes, we did a conservatorship. Uh, if Michael would have asked us to, we would have released it a long time ago. We have not been making decisions for him uh, since he signed it as an 18-year-old. But the reason why we went with a conservatorship rather than an adoption was because he was 18 and they told us legally we cannot adopt him. And so that's why we went with a conservatorship. And we, he says, we did not make any money from the movie at all. He said, what the money we did make, we got half of all of the, the profits 
from the book that was originally written that the movie was based off of. We we got half the money from the book, which ended up being about $46,000, and we split that five ways, including Michael Orr. So he says that the conservatorship was because he was 18 and could not legally be adopted, and he did not get any money from the film The Blind Side, and the only money he did receive was from the half of the proceeds from the book deal. So there, that's the other side of the story. And he to also, me, it feels I think it's a little important f- to notice this, too, and I'll let you finish. He made the comment, he said, it's public record what I'm worth. I sold my business, you know, his his fast food chain monopoly he had in Memphis. He said, I sold that for $216 million. He said, I wasn't making any decisions to profit off of anybody. I have mm-hmm. enough money. So mm-hmm. go ahead. I was going to say, I, you know, it seems a little fishy because, yes, he made a ton of money on fast food. I believe there were Taco Bell in and around Memphis. So he was making good money at that point, but he hadn't sold them at the time that that happened. It's a simple public records search to see what the contract was for the movie to determine who's correct here, whether it's Michael Orr that he left that's in the not, dark. I don't think that's public record. But, but uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's a contract out there somewhere that'll yeah. surface at some point, especially if this goes to trial. Maybe not public record, but through contract searching is the right words. But at the end of the day, it just felt it, it felt kind of like, yeah, well, this. And it wasn't, it didn't seem as genuine. I, I don't know. Like you said, there's two sides to every story. Somewhere in the middle is the truth. I met Sean Tui on a couple occasions in Memphis. I wasn't super impressed with him. He had that little stretch back in, I think it was 2013, where he was did some color commentating for the Grizzlies, and he was absolutely awful. And I just never had a great opinion of him. And so hearing that statement today, it was kind of like, yeah, that sounds like something he would say. I, I Again, I'm, I'm a little jaded from my couple of interactions that I had with him, maybe, but I just I tend to believe maybe Michael Orr a little bit. Simply, and that's just because I'm a little bit jaded. Nothing to do with Ole Miss, but because I met the guy a couple times. Yeah, and I get that maybe you, in interacting with him, you see him in a personal or professional environment. You can get first impressions that a lot of times are right, sometimes are wrong. I'm not here to defend Sean Tui. I just, there was an assumption made a long Mm -hmm. time ago that they were doing this for Ole Miss, or they were doing this for the betterment of themselves, for the betterment of the institution and I always just kind of hate to see that because Mm -hmm. see that assumed because if you just take motives out of it say they did just want to do it for Ole Miss like what they did for him was substantial it did get him through to the next point and it did give him a family that loved him and cared for him hopefully and stability you know Right, biggest thing being stability there. Yeah, and you another famous case of this is Jimmy Butler. Jimmy yeah. Butler was not adopted, but he was raised by his teacher and wife, a white couple in Chicago that took him in because... He was homeless. He was homeless. His mom kicked him out of the house at 16. He had nowhere to go. He had promise, but what what people always balk at they balk at the athletes that have such high potential. So that they always want to make it that the reason why they got adopted. Not the reason they like this was his you know, in the case of Jimmy Butler it was his teacher, 
you know, that saw him yeah. and saw the situation he was in, so they adopted him. In Michael Orr's case, it was his son's friend, and they, mm-hmm. you know, saw him. And, you know, I just, the person I am, I always hate to assume such bad things because if you were just believing one side of the story, just Michael Orr's side of the story, and honestly, that's probably the only side of the story we need to hear. It's his story. It's him. You know, he's... Right. But if anytime you just hear one side of the story, it's just... Uh, you, you can kind of believe anything. You know, I just... I if you, if you just take everything at face value, you can become such a pessimist about it. And I just really struggle with thinking people can play the yeah. long con like that and it's just so evil if that was in actually a long con to benefit him to benefit off of a movie deal it just seems a little far-fetched again there's two sides to every story and somewhere in the middle is the truth and so and when this my- happened when this happened that's the last thing i'll say when this happened uh he had they had already taken him in they had already done this there was no movie deal on the horizon when mm-hmm. they made these actions to try to help this boy sure maybe they were trying to help him to get him to Ole Miss but I don't believe they were helping him to profit off of him no I mean it, if anything then maybe there was that one late night conversation of hey this kid's special he could go to the pros but yeah. I don't think it was their underlying motive I agree I think that they did this because they cared about him as a person because if you read the story if you read the book he bounced around from house to house yeah. and he, him and, and SJ as they call him Sean Jr. really struck up a friendship and so that's how they kept um, you know kept him in touch and being in their house and ultimately led to him moving in there permanently and so I think that there was that, like you said, there was that goodness, that that, that hope, that, you know, providing him stability that they saw he did not have is their ultimate motive. I don't think they were financially motivated when it happened. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, I have two children in my house that are not mine that we have fostered. Uh, my The youngest of the two is a lefty that loves baseball. Don't think for a minute I won't teach him, <laughs> try to teach him how to pitch and profit off Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. That's yeah, not big why curveball. I did it. <laughs> But dang it, if he's going to be a, if he if I can teach him to have a, you know, low to mid nineties fastball, he will play for Ole Miss. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and if Uncle and if That's Uncle Blackie says anything it. to do about it, he'll be in maroon and white. But that's enough on situation. It is, I man. Hate and I, it. I hate yeah. it. I hate it because there are so many preconceived notions. Just seeing the big uh, African American <clears throat> stud athlete be taken in by the rich white folks that. It just screams something's weird there if you want mm-hmm. it to feel weird. Yeah. And maybe it was. Maybe this is the exception that proves the fact, you know, but I'm not here to make accusations or anything like that. We're a, we are a factual podcast. We just report what's out there on the Twitters and, and the interwebs right now. So uh, and we're recording this a little bit early in the week due to some other prior commitments. So if other news breaks later in the week, forgive us as we are going with the information that we have. Right. So, all right, Speaking right, of, yeah, we'll kind of move through these next couple kind of quick. Wander Franco is another weird, sticky situation. <laughs> weird is one way to put it. Yeah. If you, think, man's tr- if you want to believe everything Michael Orr said, that that's, uh, Sean Tui and Leon Tui are dirtbags, uh, if you believe that, Wander Franco is even worse. <laughs> yeah. Because if you believe what's coming out, Wander Franco is a baseball phenom. He's the next generation of that swag, great, great middle infielder for the Tampa Rays, Tampa Bay Rays. Is alleged to have been having, he's 22 years old, 
and allegedly in a relationship with a 14-year-old back in the Dominican Republic who is now suing or now exposing him because she asked for hush money that he didn't pay. His camp and what a lot of people are alleging that she's actually 19 makes it a little bit better. 22, 19. Either way, she's got a right. She's got a child. She's definitely. It's a weird situation. I think there's going to be a lot more details coming out over the next few weeks. Either way, right now, Wander Franco, one of baseball's hot young superstars, is on the restricted list for allegedly having a relationship with a 14-year-old, which is, if that's accurate, this is way worse than the Trevor Bauer situation. This is way worse than anything we've seen recently, and he deserves everything that's coming his way. Because this is, they are not alleging that he commented on some thirst traps of a girl that turns out to be 14 this is an alleged relationship there are pictures there are pictures on twitter of the two of them together she does not look 14 to me in those pictures but again who am i to but, judge yeah you gotta ask you, you, you gotta, gotta ask you, i and, mean and when you're, you're 20 when you're for the tampa bay rays you've got you to see got, proof not not the bench warmers i am 12 birth certificate but like actual hard proof of i am actually because the eight i think in the Dominican Republic, the age of consent is 18 still, I believe. Some of those Caribbean countries is 16. Matters not. You got to make sure she's of age, whatever age that may be. Right. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, I hope he didn't do it because, like I said, uh, regarding Sean Tui, I hate mm-hmm. assuming anybody yeah. would do something like this. Sure. Uh, I know people get caught up, but... Intentionally. Uh, there, there are people that get caught up in sins, you know... That says your sins will find you out, and people get caught up doing some messed up stuff, and yeah. uh, one thing leads to another. Uh, if the sin, if one thing leads to another, leads to a fourteen-year-old girlfriend, that's just horrible. I mean, that's, that's horrible. That's that's the unforgivable that's the end, in the public's eyes. That's the end of yeah. you as a uh, professional as a, baseball player, as a baseball player for sure, but maybe as a free citizen, it should be. But so you know, yeah, it should be. But so many of those. Uh, Moneyball memes have been hilarious on Twitter today. I will say one bright spot to that. But moving right along, speaking, we're sticking baseball. Drew, one one thing I've been enjoyed the last couple of weeks is our stat of the week. I've got one here for you. Baseball is always that one sport that has just that those oddity stats, right? So for the first time in Major League Baseball in the modern era of Major League Baseball, which dates back to the 1960s, I believe, is kind of considered the is modern era. They, is that right? Is that when they raise the mound? I think so. The Mets are the only Major League Baseball team in the modern era to have seven or more hits and nine or more walks. So that's a minimum of 16 baseball or base runners right. and scored zero runs. It's just the most absurd stat that I've seen in I, a long time. I mean, they lost six to nothing to the Braves, who then turned out beat them in twenty-one to three in a football score the next night. Yeah. But they had sixteen. I think they ended up having eighteen base runners, if I'm not mistaken, and they had zero runs. Like that is hard, and it cost them about three hundred and what is their what is their uh, their their payroll, their payroll is the highest, oh, it's it's highest in baseball. Million. 356 million is the highest in professional baseball, and they couldn't even muster a run with 16 plus base base runners. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, this is college baseball. You know, you get your Sunday <laughs> starter out there, and sometimes he can throw it, sometimes he can't. And there's a lot yeah. of walks and whatever walks, hits, batsmen, whatever. 
Those yeah. games are typically fourteen to seventeen. You know. Yeah. Uh, to see a six to get shut out with sixteen minimum base runners, you know, baseball is a sport where if you go to the Hall of Fame, if you get a hit one out of every four times, you know, right, one three out, out of ten gets you in the Hall yeah. of in the Hall of Fame yeah. every day. Yeah, and so for for them to score zero runs while getting sixteen at minimum sixteen base runners on is just hilarious because yeah. baseball villain villainry villainry uh is almost always tied to bankroll it's the weird right. thing about baseball everybody hates yeah. the yankees because they pay more everybody mm-hmm. now hates the mets and the padres because they pay more both those teams stink and the mets are on an all-time slide despite mm. i mean can you would you have thought going into this year that they would have the payroll they have with scherzer and and Verlander and everybody else for them to be sellers at the trade deadline. If you'd show me the if you'd show me the NL East in August standings without the teams, just the records, like there's a good argument to be made that the Mets would have almost seventy or seventy wins now like the Braves do. Yeah, I mean you I would not have been surprised at all if you told me that the Braves were the one seed and the Mets were the first wild card team. The Braves sure. are that good. I believe in them. I I Especially when they're healthy, yeah. man. They're the best team in baseball. Uh, they're super talented. And the Mets should not be that far off. But now they've had to sell yeah. the farm because they were just bleeding losses I left and right. I saw a stat that I cannot recall word for word. Cause, I mean, number for number. Because you know how baseball stats are. But since the All-Star break, Austin Riley and Matt Olson, if you took their All-Star – since the All-Star break numbers to now and it made that 162-game season – one of them would have 77 home runs. The other would have, like, 84. Yeah. Both of them batting wild. in the 320s. I mean, just they're on fire. We have the greatest baseball player in the history of the game, and Matt Olson has more home runs than him. <laughs> yeah, but does – and he had uh, – And he has a better ERA. He has right. 0.00 ERA. And he's got a 0 ERA. So, uh, yeah, it's fun. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's anyway, funny one of those wild stats to see, you know, the rich guy fall. You know. Yeah, hundred percent. We always unless root. you're John Morant. Yeah. Speaking um, of, this is episode forty six. This is our Jitty episode. John Cartall, yeah. what's up? Come on to shout out Jitty. Let's go. <laughs> Speaking of, we had a Grizz clash last night. I want to talk about this like two seconds, but we had Jared, Jared Jackson Jr., Santi Aldama playing in a FIBA warm up game last night. Jaron is looking the part, man. He's finally getting a lot of hype from people who don't watch Grizzly games a lot. And Santi is leading Spain in points, He's assists, incredible. and rebounds. He yeah. has been playing some great basketball. Yeah, yeah. he is. But uh, look, we got too much college football to talk about. We'll get to the Grizzlies coming up. One last thing before we dive into our SEC preview, Drew, there's a good reason that we're hosting our fantasy football draft in a little under two weeks. Drumroll. August 26th. Let's go. Andrew Farrell's house. We're going to have us a good time. We're going to figure out some way to do something with the show while we're there. Uh, we're gonna, we've got some some fun things coming up, and I'm going to spoil the surprise about what we're doing that night. But be on the lookout on our socials and our YouTube for some uh, some cool content around our fantasy football draft. But there's a reason you postpone that till late. Yeah, it's a rule. Because of yeah. injuries in the preseason, they happen all the time. Guys, you know, pop ACLs, Achilles, different things all the time, which you hate to see. 
you also get some of these late preseason signings that muddy the water a little bit in what last year, shout out Zach Jones, was a sure bet. Uh, the New England Patriots backfield got a little muddier this uh, today with the signing of one Zeke Elliott. The New York Jets backfield got a little fuller with the signing of one Dalvin Cook, which I thought this was another interesting nugget. Week one, Dalvin James Cook for the Jets plays the Buffalo Bills, whose running back is James Dalvin Cook. Are you serious? Their names are just they're bro- flipped? They're just flipped. They're the I same they name. Brothers. They're just flipped. Are you serious? <laughs> Dalvin James. Look it up. Dalvin James and James Dalvin. <laughs> <laughs> Their parents awesome. got real creative. <laughs> yeah. uh, my fantasy takeaway for that is it sucks. Yeah. Because I mean, Brees Hall was budding before he got hurt. Especially it sucks for the Jets because I love Brees Hall. And I'll covet for fantasy to have a running back one and not a running back two. A hundred percent. It it stinks for Brees Hall because I was really high on him. And Dalvin Cook is. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. When we were talking about running back contracts. Dalvin Cook of all of these guys still have meat on the bone. You know he's still got juice in those legs. I believe he could still go. Alternatively, uh, Ramon Dre Stevenson. Uh, I still think he's a stud. And mm-hmm. the signing of Ezekiel Elliott for New England doesn't do much for me because I've kind of been on the Zeke is wash track for about two years now. And so yeah. I think Bill Belichick's smart enough. I mean, maybe Zeke is just a change of pace, get your breath, you know, for Ramondre, and then Ramondre goes back out there. But it kind of sticks and I think both he's- ways. It's going to he's going to be. I saw a stat today. It was funny. I said this is Zeke Elliott's uh, weekend and week out stat, and it was one um, of Jerome Bettis in, the, in 2009, like at the twilight of his career, where he had five carries, he had one rushing yard, but he had three touchdowns, and that's where Zeke's going to be. He's going to poach some touchdowns from Stevenson in the red zone at the goal line. But as far as like a, a, a down in and down out back, you're right. I think of the two, I'm less worried about Ramondre Stevenson. I'm more worried about Brees Hall because Dalvin Cook still got some life on those legs for sure. Yeah, it kind of makes me want to stay away from both of them. Yeah, hundred da- percent. Dalvin and Brees. Yes, not, not I agree. So much Ramondre. Yeah, it, it makes uh, yeah. And, you know, Dalvin Cook is one I always look at, but. Um, Brees Hall was one that was high on a lot of draft boards until today. It definitely is going to make some people reconsider that. But, again, shout-out to the commission of our league that we draft a little bit later. Uh, both of those one-year deals? I know Zeke's was. I think Dalvin Cook's was, too. His might have been a two-year. Sign the franchise tag. It would get more money. But yeah. The franchise tag wouldn't offer to Zeke. But, but then again, yeah. Yeah, but Dalvin it was, and maybe Dalvin felt like his time was up in Minnesota, and I know he probably couldn't see that far in the future. Maybe he thinks you know New York is a better situation with the talent because that offense is all of a sudden filthy. You know, even with you know you got Aaron Rodgers, you got Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, Garrett Wilson, like you've got some guys, you got right. some dudes who can play. Yeah, that they, offense they ain't have bad. one priority over the next two years, and that's winning the Super Bowl. Win the Super Bowl. That, I mean, they they have a they have a window now, and it's very short. And don't think for a second that general managers of the actual football teams care one bit about what the general <laughs> managers of fantasy football teams think. Right. 
Right, not at all. And it's funny. It's another example. I saw this. I'm not. I, this is not original of mine. I'm stealing credit for this. But uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers is much like Tom Brady and much like Wander Franco, showing that age is just a number. <laughs> anyway, moving yes. right along. <laughs> ah, Drew, we've got to this segment of our show. You and I have been chomping at the bit for for weeks now, as we are getting ready for SEC football, college football in general is coming back. We both happen to be alumni of one school but fan of two different schools right. in the sec and so yeah it's it's that time of the year man it is time for college football right. and we're going to start this week with we've got six teams as you said earlier this week earlier in this episode that we're going to preview this week all right man i cannot wait i am sure we're going to agree on absolutely everything tonight in the next couple of weeks <laughs> and i can't wait <laughs> so uh this week and like rusty mentioned earlier we're recording this on monday night due to a, a work obligation that i have so, if the starting quarterback for uh, LSU, Georgia, Alabama, Arkansas, South Carolina, and Tennessee all break their legs between now and Thursday morning, do not hold us responsible. <laughs> We're going off Monday data, okay? Right. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll update that next week if need be, <laughs> but we're wishing health on all of these six schools. So, I'm just going, uh, I'm going to start here. I'm going to kind of lay the groundwork what I've seen here for what the teams have. We're going to go through the schedule, and we're going to see – uh, whether we can get to the over-under number. And so we're going to start with Georgia, the reigning national champs, two times. Real quick, I want to give a quick shout-out here. We are using DraftKings data in honor of our buddy, a friend of the podcast, fan of the podcast, Aaron Tim Buren. Buddy, I appreciate you listening to it. He works for DraftKings up in Boston in their graphic design department. But we are using DraftKings data in honor of Aaron, friend of the podcast. So Georgia – the uh, two-time national champion, two-time defending national champion, uh, has a DraftKings over/under set for eleven and a half. So they are saying you either have to bet they go undefeated, or they lose one game, hits the under. Uh, that seems to fit because out of the SEC, according to CBS Sports, uh, in the SEC, as far as SEC teams go, they have the fourteenth ranked strength of schedule this year um they are returning 13 starters six on offense seven on defense uh and that may sound like a low number but they only returned 10 starters last year when they demolished everybody yeah uh, the key difference uh you're losing Stetson Bennett a three-year starter two-time national championship quarterback captain of the team it looks like the new quarterback is possibly going to be a fellow by the name of Carson Beck. He's a junior, so he's been in the program, which is something you don't see, a, a quarterback that sits and waits his turn. Uh, Carson Beck is not a little guy. He's 6'5", 225 pounds. It's a vast difference from Stetson Bennett, yeah. that's for sure. So uh, they start the year off uh, with UT Martin, Ball State at home. Uh, then they hit... Uh, South Carolina, UAB, at Auburn, Kentucky, at Vanderbilt, at, at Florida, Missouri, Ole Miss, at Tennessee, and at Georgia Tech. Uh, what's Listen. Yeah, go ahead. Tell me at, what you think about that schedule. SI.com has him as the 63rd ranked strength of schedule out of all 130 FBS teams. Their, their winning percentage last year was .533. The, their opponents went 80 and 70, which is the worst in the SEC last year. 
this schedule is soft. And I think that returning all those starters, they were returning the best player in the SEC, according to 247 Sports and Mr. Brock Bowers, and I don't disagree. Yeah, I don't disagree with that either. Incredible tight end. He's a threat in the red zone. Saw that firsthand against Mississippi State last year. It was a three-point game at halftime, and then Brock Bowers and a, and a fellow named Ladd took over in the second half, and we had no answer for either one of them. But... Ladd McConkney. Oh, yeah. I'm well aware of his name. <laughs> um, he looked like Stetson uh, Bennett, so he could play wide receiver. <laughs> I mean, that's it, 100%. There's been a, a ton of funny memes about Stetson and Cooper Cup in, in L.A., but uh, if listen, Kirby Smart's job is safe, but if he loses any of these games – he needs to like he needs to immediately be on the hot seat. These are this is the cupcake of cupcake schedule of the SEC when none of your when all of your non-conference games are a directional team or their name Ball State. Yeah. You got to win all of those. Yes. Your toughest games are at home. You've got except for Tennessee, you've got Ole Miss at home which is a a, a big win or is 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 good for them. You got Missouri at home, you got Kentucky who's going to be better, South Carolina at home. Um, you play at Vanderbilt, you get Florida on a neutral field. According to College Football News, where I did a lot of my research today, they think Georgia's going to go 11-1. and one. Uh, Well, uh, they think their one loss it's Ole Miss. is going to be Ole Miss. So, uh, here's the thing. The thing that makes Georgia's schedule so easy is that their SEC West schools are at Auburn and Ole Miss at home. They mm-hmm. face, uh, let's see, two ranked teams, preseason ranked AP poll ranked teams. They've got Ole Miss at home and at Tennessee. Ole Miss being 22, weeks. at Tennessee being 12. And so I don't see a loss there. Uh, as an Ole Miss fan, of course, would I love to go into in between the hedges and get a win at Georgia? <laughs> I mean, Who few things would be better. Yeah, but I would not pick that. What's it's a trap? So, they're looking at it as a trap game before you have this monster game against Tennessee. And Kirby Smart is like Nick Saban; like trap games don't really matter to them. Yeah. And so, the over under is eleven and a half, which means you're betting if they go undefeated or not. The under has a little juice. Uh, I mean, the under is the favorite. You get minus one thirty five to bet the under. Mm. It is hard to go undefeated. I just have a hard time seeing that they a loss. have a loss here. They've got no Alabama. They got no LSU. They've got at most uh, the, two different occasions. They've got back to back road games. You go at Vandy and at Florida, and then which you, the, uh, I mean Florida's it, trash. Uh, you won't convince me otherwise. They were no, trash and, and last year, and they lost their quarterback. They're so. a trendy pick this year to be better and upset some teams. They have no business beating Georgia or no. any of the big There's, teams that they're going to play. I think, None. I think Florida will be better because I think Billy Napier is a good football coach. Mm-hmm. But there's a big step to be made from being better to competing with Georgia. The other mm-hmm. two back-to-back road games are at uh, University of Tennessee and then Georgia Tech at home. Uh, <laughs> the only one you can convince me, if I was to look at the schedule, that is a possible loss would be at UT. Uh, right. And that's given that UT, that Joe Milton works out. There's yeah. a lot of hype on Joe Milton that that was did not fit what I saw last year in mop-up duties and after Hendon Hooker went out. Uh, but if you're believing the best possible scenario for UT, then that's the place where I can see 
that Georgia takes a loss. However, last year, you know, they were in close games with Missouri and Mississippi State for a half. There's in, mm-hmm. inexplicable close games that they've pulled out in the past, and maybe that's what people But when they played in the big games, they find a way to win. That's why, I mean, I, you know, the Ole Miss one kind of makes sense. That's one that they really should not lose. You the know, last time s- Ole Miss played in Athens, Ole Miss won. Uh, that was the Jacob Eason year. There you go. Jack Kelly, 2015, um, yeah. The only other one, and it's because they're getting a ton of hype, would be South Carolina. But that game's in Athens. They're not losing that game. Spencer not Rattler really. is not going to not going to win that game. Uh, the the third game of the year. If I bet if I'm a betting man, I bet in the over. I think Georgia goes undefeated. Their schedule is very very favorable. I think they get 12 regular season wins. You know, as far as SEC playoffs, you know that that is more of a crapshoot. But based on the schedule that I'm looking at, I would bet the over on Georgia. Okay, so we've got uh, the Two Buck Sports Podcast says 12 and 0 for the Georgia Bulldogs going back to Atlanta uh, again. So next we've got Alabama, a frequent foe of the Georgia Oh, hey, real Bulldogs. quick, uh-huh. I wanted to add this too. The Football Power Index is something that ESPN does where they run 20,000 simulations of the regular season and it determines how these teams come out. And out of that, the Georgia Bulldogs, out of 20,000 simulations of their regular season, come out ranked as the third best team in college football. A, a, a top three ranking, but there is some room for error in there, as we talked about. Yeah, I mean, anytime you replace starters, that many starters, off a championship team, and you're also looking at a little bit of complacency, but you get into some psychoanalytics yeah. there. Who do they have as one and two? So, one of them, I'm going to hold on to number two because that's one of the teams we're going to cover tonight. Number one is Ohio State. And then this is something else, too. So, with the football power index, it measures the team's true strength on on a net point scale. So, this is the average expected margin of victory on a neutral field against their schedule. And they're supposed to win these games by 27 points. So, it's not going to be super close. I mean, I think it's splitting hairs between in the top top four or five teams. Well, you can tell me right now that Georgia is the third best team in FBI, FPI, and I'm still going to believe they're going to go 12 and 0 in the SEC this year Absolutely. because they're not playing <laughs> Alabama or LSU or anybody else of who they would likely yeah. play in Atlanta, but none in the regular season. But yes, yeah, so anyway, that we'll, we'll go over the FPI for each of these teams tonight. Yeah. So, so next, next up, next we've got Alabama. Their uh, DraftKings over under is 10 and a half, and you can get the under is an overwhelming favorite at. Minus one seventy five. Mm. Uh, so actually, if you want to make a little money, bet the over on Alabama. Uh, again, like Georgia, their fourth is in terms of strength of schedule in SEC ranks. They return nine starters, four on offense, five on defense. They've got a new quarterback replacing the number one overall pick last year. Uh, so either going to be Jalen Milrow, who we saw last year, uh, kind of a Jalen type, yeah. Uh, and you got Ty Simpson, who is an incoming, uh, highly recruited, highly sought after quarterback. Uh, so his dad is actually the head coach at uh, UT Martin. Right. Uh, so that's kind of the options. I don't know which way they're leaning right now. But. So, if I'm a betting man, I'm betting the over on ten and a half. I think that Alabama is going to be very good next year, especially on defense. They have one of the top. They have two of the top. Three of the top. Uh, 
five players in the SEC in Dallas Turner at linebacker, J.C. Latham on their offensive line, and Kool-Aid McKinstry, who made the two bucks all-name team as a dynamic punt returner and defensive back. Alabama's going to be very good next year. And one reason why I'd bet on Alabama is very often, not very often does Nick Saban have A, back-to-back bad years, be the last time they started as the preseason number four team was 2009 where they beat the crap out of everybody and won the national championship and then two david pollock made a mistake on national tv by saying that georgia is the new standard of sec football and if you look at the look on nick saban's face nick saban was not happy and so all that to say about that one uh he's a georgia grad right Two, he's right. <laughs> yeah, but that's rat poison. That's locker room material know, that Nick Saban doesn't need. And Two, you heard it, it here. F- it obviously ESPN fired him after that. So right. So there you go. So here's the thing. So we've got the. We'll go over their schedule here in just a second, which we can go into now. But I've got a hot take on who one of their losses is going to be. Uh, you got Ole Miss beating Georgia and Alabama this year? If so, we're not. going to the natty, honey. <laughs> I, I, if not, no, 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 do not. All right, I didn't so have Ole Miss winning. We're going to go through this. You mm-hmm. saying you got the over on ten and a half right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, you've got to find me one loss. Yep. Is what we're looking for. And we'll see if we agree or not. You start the season with MTSU at home. Nope. Uh, That's it. Easy. And then out the gate, you've got – the University of Texas making a return trip to Alabama. Texas, Buzz, I was about to say, where's that game at? It's in Tuscaloosa. They uh, almost lost in Austin last year, that's but that's right. my point. And my point on my hot take here is Alabama is not a great big road game team. Well, they're a, that's a home game. Right. So are you giving uh, Texas the win here, or are you going to go with a home team? I'm going with it's a road loss. Okay. Uh, so you've – just so we're clear, Alabama beats Texas. I think so. Yeah. Uh, is this the big road game you're talking about <laughs> when <laughs> Alabama travels to the University of South Florida? When the world are they doing I, playing at South no Florida anyway? Yeah, that must absolutely be, not. You know, this schedule is kind of w- weird. You know, they uh, probably booked this in 2002. The 2023 schedule is weird for a couple of teams. Like I believe it was. Tennessee, or maybe it was, it was Georgia, was supposed to play Oklahoma this year, mm-hmm. but instead, uh, I think that's when they added they in up. UAB. Yeah, what I think happened. Yeah, uh, and so, but but it, it it's sidebar real quick sidebar. If you haven't watched the Johnny Manziel documentary on Netflix, good. so good. Yeah, and in that it was like one of those things they played at La Tech his junior year or his sophomore year, and it's like, what are they doing playing at La Tech? It was, they had to fill a schedule, you know, a hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. So, so we, anyway, we agree a win at University of South Florida. Then Ole Miss comes to town. Ole Miss ranked number twenty-two in the preseason poll. Uh, they do have a returning starting quarterback, so we have that up on them. And apparently, a lot of people think Ole Miss is going to be good, although. I don't know any of the players' names other than uh, Quinshawn Judkins and Jackson Dart. That's it. Uh, everybody else is transferred, so I'll take their mm. word for it. But if I've learned one thing, Rusty, uh, do not ever think that you're going to beat Alabama. You learned no. that lesson harder than anybody. So I want to put that yes. as a win. Yeah. Uh, for the same reason why the next week when they go to Starkville, I will put it in a, as a win. 
So here's where I'm at. Oh my gosh. Now hear me oh out. Hear me God. out. No, I will not hear you make you guys for this. I think that Alabama loses a road SEC game this year, and I think it's one of two games. I'm not saying it's guaranteeing not Mississippi, Mississippi State is going to be. No, it's it not. could be Mississippi State oh my because that's early. We'll talk about this. Gotta, I'm saying it could be. I think the more likely loss is at Auburn that last week of the year. Hugh Freeze does something crazy. They get all hyped up because they're not going to be that great of a team this year. I, a lot of people are picking them to lose at A&M. They ain't going to lose to A&M again. He's going to beat the crap out of Jimbo Fisher. I think that if I had to guess, Alabama's going to lose either in Starkville or in Auburn. And they call that a homer pick, but if but I just know that if that becomes true, I will be insufferable that week. Let me tell but you something. I don't uh, think it's going to happen, but I'm saying they could. a road SEC game. All right, so there's four road SEC games every year. This year, mm-hmm. Alabama plays at Mississippi State, State at A&M, at Kentucky, and at Auburn. Mississippi State has the fourth best odds of beating Alabama out of that list. <laughs> I don't care what you say. They have okay. – Baby. You Baby. Got, you got a coach that's never coached before, an offensive coordinator from Appalachian State. I don't believe it. So I'm just saying, stranger yeah. things have happened. Stranger things have you happened. Go buy I think they lose. Right now. I think they lose. Listen, if, if State beats Alabama, you're dang right. I'm going to go buy all the lottery tickets. But – I think they lose either at Mississippi State or at Auburn. That's my one loss for Alabama. All right, we're putting it down for an Alabama win. Unless you're an idiot. <laughs> All right, then they go at A&M. They ain't uh, losing that game. I don't think Nick Saban will ever lose to Jimbo Fisher again. Again, no. They're going to win that game by 50 points. Arkansas at home. Arkansas is tricky. We're going to get into them in a minute. Uh, I'm not buying win- They've got a couple things working for them and against them right now. We'll dive into it a minute ago. Just a simple win-loss right here, Arkansas at home. I think Alabama wins that game. I do too. Um, they don't lose to Arkansas very often. What are the odds you think that the University of Tennessee comes to Bryant-Denny <laughs> to make two in a row for Tennessee over Alabama? Hell hath no fury like a Nick Saban team coming off of a loss. And they lost last year in dramatic fashion in Knoxville. I think Tennessee. I've got. A, I'm pretty high on Tennessee this year. I think that's one of their losses. <laughs> I think Alabama shows are ready to play. I, this is a real prove it year for Tennessee. I could see this going either way, just because Ole Miss was once that up and coming team that s- snuck up and beat Alabama, and then had to go to Bryant Denny the next year, and it got sloppy. But Ole Miss beat them again. It, I have seen mm-hmm. it done before. And it has so happened. It, it again. We're talking about whether I can see the possibility versus whether I would pick it to happen. In 2015, uh, I was riding pretty high, so I did pick it to happen. But that was a total homer pick, and I'll admit that. Uh, I I I, don't, I wouldn't pick it for Tennessee here. <clears throat> no, I don't. I don't think so. I don't, if it was in Knoxville, if somehow it worked out where they're back to back in Knoxville, I would feel better about it. But this being in Tuscaloosa, hell hath no fury like Nick Saban after a loss. Alabama wins. All right. So coming off of at A and M and Arkansas at home and Tennessee at home, they've got another home game against LSU. And Very favorable. If, and if there is a team that I would do think could beat Alabama twice in a row. It's LSU. In fact, I would book it. That's mm. one that I, I've i put so much stock in retor- returning quarterbacks, and we're going to get into LSU next. Uh, but 
But one of the points I was going to make about LSU is they're returning Jaden Daniels at quarterback and the best linebacker in football. One of the best players in football. And Harold Perkins, who has a true freshman. We'll get to him in a minute. I've got some stats on him. We'll get to him in a minute. And so just to prove my point here, uh, you've got a quarterback on offense and the quote-unquote quarterback of defense coming back for LSU and a really good head coach that has shown he can – he can sustain winning. Uh, I would, if you ask me, that would be my upset. If you know, if you're going to go under the unders, the favorite, which put us at ten wins, I'm going to say that's got to be one of the losses for Alabama. If you're going to have to find two, I agree. I, I would agree with that. They're returning the bulk of their offensive line, who were freshmen and sophomores last year. And the only thing better than returning your quarterback is returning the bulk of your offensive line, because that's a group that, as they play more together, they get better together. Harold Perkins, we've already talked about him. We'll talk about him more here in a minute. I agree. I think they win that game because, again, Alabama doesn't lose back-to-back often to teams, and it's at home. Right. If it's in Baton Rouge, I'd be more bullish on LSU beating them for sure. But um, well, They don't I think... lose back-to-back years to the same team very often because the only teams they play back-to-back years are SEC West teams. West teams, and, fair. Uh, you know, how often do they have the opportunity to be good enough to compete with Alabama two years in a row? Fair. You've got to be Ole Miss, you know, basically. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to hammer through these last three. You got Kentucky. That's a win. Yeah. Um, yeah. UT Chattanooga. Win. And then Auburn. Uh, I'm going to let and, you call and, this one here. I called LSU. I, you seem to be walking again. on it. Again, my my prediction is 11-1, and one, and one of their losses is either at Starkville or at Auburn. Kooky things happen in the Iron Bowl, especially when there's a new coach. Auburn doesn't return a ton. They're not going to be great next year. It smells like a year that Auburn beats Alabama. Alabama comes in at, at 11-0. and 0. They're cruising in, heading towards a SEC championship game. I still think they go. But this feels like a kick six type, miracle on the plains type year because Auburn's got that voodoo more so than LSU where they win on some fluky things. And let me tell you something about Hugh Freeze. Yes, he tends to be a scumbag. Yes, he is what you think he is. I'll tell you what he also is. He is an incredible recruiter, and he's an incredible motivator, especially when you're given the keys to a program in the first year that's been in the dumps. I remember that first Egg Bowl, or I'm sorry, I believe it was the first Egg Bowl. Hugh Freeze gave a pregame speech in the locker room where he just went on an absolute heater and ended it with saying, let's go lock the doors and pick a fight. And that's exactly what happened. He will have them ready. The question is whether you believe talent wins. If talent wins, you're always going to pick Alabama. But college football is weird. So, uh, Rusty, I'll let you pick it. I would have picked it the other way. But that gets you to your under that you that you predicted. It's got Alabama at 10-2 and two in another dogfight for the SEC West, mm-hmm. and which leads us to who will probably they will be in a dogfight with. And that's LSU. Mm. LSU, uh, DraftKings has them at a nine and a half over under, with the over being the favorite at minus one twenty five. So I'm bullish on the over. Yeah. Here, uh, this one's a little bit harder. They've got the eighth ranked strength of schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the key of this is, is game one, is 
a neutral site against Florida State, but it's in Orlando. So, right. uh, and that was a classic game last year. It came yes, down to a last-second field goal. It was an incredible game. Last it second, was missed extra missed point. Extra point, sorry. Yeah. Incredible game. I'm pretty high on Florida State in our top 25 preview coming up in a couple of weeks. They've returned a lot. Mike Norvell has those guys bought in. I would not be surprised. I have LSU at 10-2. A, a quick note on their schedule. Their teams went 80-70 and 70 last year, 53% winning percentage last year. But I have them at 10-2, one of their losses being that neutral site in quotation mark games against Florida State. Okay. Uh, they do, uh, running through their schedule here, the highlights, uh, they play four ranked teams. Three of the, Two of them are on the road. And one of them's a neutral site in Orlando, mm-hmm. so quote right. unquote, you know, three of the four against ranked opponents are on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, week two, they've got Grambling. That's going to be a win. Uh, and then they go to Startville. Are you going to tell Which, me again that this no, is a that game will be no that game will be close. LSU wins, but I think that game will be close only because it's in Startville. And it was cl- it was close last year in Baton Rouge. We were. It was uh like a it was a six point ball game with like six minutes to go and they pulled away late but LSU wins. Yeah, so uh then they go and play for the Battle of the Boot. Uh they played that at home against Arkansas. Uh I don't I think LSU wins this game. Arkansas's Agreed. got one key thing going for them. I'll preview this. We're gonna deep dive into them next year. Uh next week. I love quarter teams that return a quarterback. Uh, especially one that started for as long as K.J. Jefferson has. And we've got Arkansas tonight. We'll talk about him here in a little bit. Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. Uh, so, But they also lost both coordinators. So uh, It's an LSU win, man. Yeah. You ain't got to convince me. Yeah. It's an LSU win. I think the next game is sneaky. I do yeah. think this one's sneaky. Uh, then they play for the illustrious Magnolia Bowl trophy. I don't know if you've seen it. It's the worst trophy in college sports. It looks like it was it's in a high school wood shop. I wish they would burn yeah. it. Uh, yeah. Not every – Every rivalry needs a trophy. Needs a trophy. Name, you know. No. Uh, so they really forced the Magnolia Bowl on this Ole Miss LSU rivalry. Uh, but LSU comes to town. And it's there. Let's see, one, two, three. They played six consecutive SEC games, and this one is sandwiched in the middle. Uh, I, I'm going to let you call it. Yeah, I, listen, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to deep dive Ole Miss, but I'm going to have to deep dive Ole Miss uh, because there's so many transfers. When you look at Ole Miss, you can't just look at the depth chart because the names don't sound familiar. Right. That's why I'm so high on LSU this year. It's because I know what Harold Perkins is, and I know what Jaden Daniels was last year, and I know who Chip Kelly is. And I have a lot of faith in Lane. I think last year's team wildly underwhelmed, and it was only because of Lane's flirtation with Auburn and has nothing to do with with the players that are on the team. That team was better than 8-4 and four last year. Uh, it just got derailed based on off-the-field matters. Mm-hmm. So I'm higher on Ole Miss than most people. The problem is they just don't have that name recognition for me. You know, to go out and buy a jersey, you know, I'm looking at Ju- uh, Quinshawn Judkins or Jackson Darts, really the only two players that I'm super familiar with. Uh, I do think that Ole Miss gets up for LSU more than just about anybody. Uh, and the fact that they're coming to Oxford to play, I hope it is a night game where everybody can get good and liquored up, rowdy. Uh, the vault's not always a very hard place to play, 
but for LSU, it can get very, very loud and pretty vicious. And so, the numbers, these sports books know what they're doing when they set these lines. Their number's at nine and a half, which means two losses means an over. Uh, I'm going to give Ole Miss a win here. And I'm going to do that because I want to. Mm -hmm. And because that's really the only other reason. I'm high on LSU, but... It's the same thing when I pick State over Alabama. I want that win to happen. I think that it's a game It's on the road. SEC teams have an advantage. Even if your stadium, like the vault, is not one of the loudest, most hostile environments, it is for certain games, and this is one that LSU could slip up in. Not one I had them losing. I think it's a closer game, but I that's that's one of your losses there. It will, it will be loud. It always is loud for LSU. It's always loud for State. And when Ole Miss is good, it's loud for against everybody, especially SEC schools. Now, the difference in Ole Miss and other schools is that when they're not good, they tend to uh, just sit and watch. You know, If they not, show up at there, all. <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of uh, willing your team to win if you're not good. Right. You know? Right. No, uh, I mean, you're absolutely which right. Which is, but... uh, you know, as a self-aware Ole Miss fan, I will, I will admit and be real with you. Uh, yeah. But LSU is not a team that Ole Miss is going to have trouble getting up for. Uh, regardless right. of their standings, so, so you uh, got it. You got it as a win for Ole Miss, a loss for LSU. I have it as a win for LSU, yeah. and then they have a series of pretty winnable games. I yeah. think uh, they do go on a run there where they go at Missouri, who just landed a five-star defensive end. I don't know yeah. if you saw that or not. I did. Uh, I'm going to say to speak for us and say that's a win. Yep. Uh, they have Auburn at home. That's a win. That's a win. Yeah. But at that point, that is your fourth or your fifth of five straight SEC games. And so if you're looking for a Hugh Freeze miracle, I think that may be the game more than you think about the Iron Bowl being the game. Hmm. Uh, Then you've got Army at home. Uh, They will not respect the troops. No. And then I, in our last segment, predicted them to beat Alabama. And so I think do we kind of have to ride with that here for consistency's sake? I picked them to to lose that game. That's one of their two losses in my little projection projection sheet that I did here. I had them losing to Florida State and Alabama simply because, again, it's at Bryant-Denny and it's another stadium that it gets up for big games. Alabama fans are notorious for not being there when they're not winning or leaving early. They'll be there. They'll be loud for that game. I have LSU losing that game. Okay. Which uh, still puts them at the over. Yeah, I have them winning this game. Uh Go to Florida. My thoughts on Florida I made known in the last segment. I don't think yeah. they're going to be very good, although they will I be I think better. they went out. Uh, Georgia State's a win. Uh, and then you close the season with the number 23 preseason ranked team, A&M, at home. I think that's a win. That's a win. And that's still – either way, we still have them at the over. It's just how they get there. So, in, in my – in our situations here, we've got Alabama and LSU both finishing at 10-2. And, two, and uh I had them at eleven and one. I had an either or. I didn't. I, I said they weren't going to lose both. They were going to lose either at Starkville or at Auburn and still be at eleven and one. Uh, okay. So that's my. I have them both at ten and two with LSU winning the tiebreaker. 
Yeah. In the end, we but yeah, we both have them as ten and two so far. So repeat. I have them at next year's, next year being a repeat of in Atlanta for the SEC championship game. Out yeah, uh, and I, Georgia versus LSU. And I have Georgia Alabama. All right. Next we got Tennessee. DraftKings has the over under at nine and a half, with the under being the favorite at minus one eighty. So pretty heavy favorite uh, to go under nine and a half. Uh, they're sixth in the SEC in strength of schedule. Uh, they return 13 starters, seven on offense, six on defense. One of those returning starters is not Hendon Hooker. So, Joe, it's Joe Milton season. Uh, yep. You're going to see what he can finally do when he's handed the reins. Uh, he lost the job last year to Joe Milton, and he was uh, less than impressive uh, in mop-up duty and injury fill-in duty. Uh, but Except against Clemson. Yeah, but, you know, Clemson was a bowl game in which you have time to – be the number one right. and game plan as the number one quarterback. And if you're looking for a reason for Tennessee to go over the nine and a half, that's your reason. You've got a whole offseason of Joe Milton being the guy. Uh, and if you think that that Clemson game is any indicator, then maybe that's where you lean. So Yeah. And uh, kind of going back to our football power index real quick, Georgia was the number three team. Alabama was number two. They have LSU as the number four team with a margin of victory of 22 points. Tennessee in that same 20,000 game simulation, they have them as the 12th best team in the country with an average margin of victory at 15.2 points. Um, there is a 92% chance they, they achieve six wins and only a 9% chance that they win their division. Well, that's because Georgia's in their division. Because <laughs> Georgia is a 50, yeah. let's see, it's a 60 or 79% chance to win the division. Yeah. Is there a third place there? <laughs> Uh, the next closest would be Florida oh, at 5%. Yeah, no. yeah ESPN's high on Florida. And their FPI, actually, at yeah, Florida's FPI, we'll get to them next week, is 18 in the best. It's 18th in the country. Wow. We'll get to that. But, yes, yeah, so uh, Tennessee, 12th best team, according to FPI, on ESPN.com. And their their schedule is is fairly favorable. Once again, they yeah. have another SEC schedule that kind of sets up well for them. Yeah, so they play three ranked teams. Uh, one of them is on the road. Two of them are at home. Uh, so we'll go win-loss here. You start the season on a neutral site. Again, it's another quote-unquote neutral site at Nissan Stadium in Nashville against Virginia, who has just been atrocious lately. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a win. Uh, then they go they Austin Peabrains, in-state but Austin, rivalry. A possible, possible future SEC team, Virginia? Anyway, Austin Peabrains. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Austin P is definitely a loss, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, win there. Then they go at Florida for their first road test, their first SEC game. Uh, I don't see how Tennessee gets anywhere close to nine and a half wins if they don't go and beat Florida. Which is wild. ESPNSI.com and this college football news all have Tennessee losing to Florida. And I just – I don't get it. I don't see it. I don't know how that – like, it's at Florida, but – Florida did not impress me enough. They didn't impress me enough last year. I don't think they got enough big transfers for them to be, which is wild because DraftKings has Florida. We'll get to them next week at five and a half wins as they're okay, over under. So the their quarterback is going to be Graham Mertz, and if you, that name sounds familiar, it is the uh, former Wisconsin quarterback. That's right. That's right. So they but did he was get not it. Up. Good. I no. Mean, uh, they've also I still, got. Jack, I don't believe it. Jack Miller. Who is uh, he went to uh, Ohio State and then went mm-hmm. somewhere else and now he's at Florida, I believe. Uh, I still I'm not buying into it, man. I think Tennessee wins no, that game. I'm not I'm not picking 
Tennessee to win that game. I mean, to lose that game. To lose that game. No, you Florida got another in-state rivalry. Uh, first Austin P, and now University. Oh no, no I'm sorry. That's the University of Texas San Antonio. That's the Roadrunners. I was thinking UT Martin, but yeah, you got. Was the it UTEP Martin. or was it UTSA that finished in the top twenty-five last year? It was UTSA. Yeah, they've got uh, Frank Harris, their quarterback. Right, that's here. right. They finished yeah, in the top really twenty-five. Good. That's a uh, sneaky game that Tennessee wins, but just circle that one. It's sneaky uh, because it's sandwiched in between two SEC East games. Uh, one that you lost last year, coming up on a rivalry game there. I mean, let's not let Tennessee of last year fool you or make you forget about who Tennessee actually is. Right. You know, this team has lost several games to mid-major teams yes. in my lifetime. Yes. I'm not going to predict it, though. I'm going to say UTSA <clears throat> gets beat. Right. And then they bring in uh, University of South Carolina. Who beat the, the brakes off of them last year in Columbia on the ESPN, a game that Tennessee needed to win to get into the playoff mix. They had the door was open. Alabama had lost, Very. and they got smoked. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee's going to win this game too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it goes against what I've said in the past because, uh, you know, they are returning a, a quarterback, but, but the one I don't believe in. Rattler, who is very boomer bust. And, a, and he had a couple of good somebody, games to close out yeah, the year. Somebody but, that volatile, yeah. uh, you know, game-to-game basis, I don't really trust to go play in Neyland Stadium and have his head Which on the shoulders. Which I have been to Neyland Stadium. It is loud. It is rowdy. And it's not. it, it ain't Williams-Brice. Let's put it that way. And really, Williams-Brice is loud. It can be. I've been to a game there, and I'm going to one this fall uh, in, in September when State goes there. It can get loud, yeah. but uh, not – yeah. Then they get their first ranked game. Uh, they go have A&M coming to town, the 23rd ranked Aggies. Uh, they're sitting at 4-0 and with A&M coming to town. You know the Vols are back at this point. Oh, yeah. uh, Feels it, like 98 everywhere. Yeah. What do you think? I think I think Tennessee goes into the Alabama game five and up. I think yeah. I, I'm just not big on A and M yet. I don't trust them still. I, it's a home I will game. Never trust A and M. I've no, said that I, on this podcast. I hope I that that's the week. Them. I hope this is the week we get to see the Jimbo Fisher Bobby Petrino blow up. But we'll get to A and M next week. Yeah. I think Tennessee wins this game at home. And then at Bama, I've talked about this. I think if it ain't gonna happen, I, th- I think no. Bama wins. They go to Tuscaloosa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to put that as make as a that, loss. Yeah, six and one after Alabama. Yeah. Um, Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. this is an interesting game. Sure, that was six and one. Yeah, you're right, six that. and one. Yeah. Kentucky is an interesting game. They've got Dennis O'Leary coming in as their their uh, quarterback. Uh, kept, no, like, yeah, that's it. That's What's Devin his name? O'Leary. Oh, so close. Wait, wait, hey, there's Dennis O'Leary. He's, he's an famous. actor. <laughs> he's yeah, an actor. Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, we made it this late in the yeah, night. It's Den- 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Dennis O'Leary was that actor that was in that uh, 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 what's the, that name of that show he where he's a fire chief. Yep. <laughs> uh, that's uh, every credit that comes up when he when you Google his movie. Rescue Me. Rescue Me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was Devin a, O'Leary is the North Carolina he, State he was in transfer. The oh, that's right, he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Devin O'Leary is the, NC, is State the tr- NC State transfer that makes Kentucky better. It's at Kentucky. Kentucky's going to be pretty good. They return some defense. We'll get into them next week as well. Let's give them a loss. Let's give Tennessee a loss here. Back-to-back losses. 
I want it. Uh, that wasn't. I, I had him at ten and two. That was not one of the losses, but no. it's one that I thought about. That's but I don't think they lose. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Aaron, I shout out Aaron Ivy. Yeah, and a pivotal game. They're going to go up at the next week against the defending champions, the <laughs> University the- of Connecticut Huskies, <laughs> the men's basketball <laughs> champions. Uh, yeah. that's a win. They'll that's get on win. their winning ways. Yeah, and then at Mizzou. Uh, Columbia is a weird place to travel to, uh, just because it's out in the middle of nowhere. But a a team that's projected to win nine and a half, and that's what the over under set at. Uh, you don't go and lose to Missouri. Nope, and I agree. And then a loss to Georgia. Georgia. Agree? Yep. And there's nothing more Tennessee in the world than for them to go and lose to Vanderbilt in week. You're 13. not wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong, but I don't think they do it. Yeah. So, Mike Wright ain't out there anymore. I have Tennessee at ten and two with losses at Alabama and Georgia. You have Tennessee at nine and three, yep. losses to Bama, Kentucky, and Georgia. Yeah, that's right. Uh, which I would have them at the under. Then you would have them at the over. Mm-hmm. Uh, South Carolina. South Carolina has a horrible schedule. Oh uh, gosh! A, but not the worst schedule in the SEC. They are the third ranked SEC strength of schedule. They return 10 starters, four on offense, six on defense. One of those four on offense is Spencer Rattler that we've talked about in the past. Uh, they opened the season. According to FPI, oh, yeah, go ahead. they're in the 20,000 simulations. They are the 42nd ranked football team, and they only, they're the last SEC school with a positive or a positive margin of victory. At 5.6 points is their average margin of victory against their schedule on a neutral field. That's that's pretty bad. Their over-under mm. is six. So you're ba- basically banking, do they go bowling or do they not? And mm-hmm. the under is the favorite at minus 125. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is why that they're six and six. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, they start off the, ser- the season in a neutral site game against a Power 5 opponent in a game that is the most detestable game of all time. A na- a game in which the title sponsor is Mayonnaise. Duke's Mayo. <laughs> yeah. The Duke's Mayo College Football Classic is a matchup between the Carolinas of the North and the South. Mm-hmm. Uh, North Carolina is preseason ranked number 21. They have a Heisman hopeful. They have a draft, a high draft pick uh, in Drake May playing quarterback. I think North Carolina beats them based on Drake May alone. I don't know that I buy the Drake May hype yet, but this would be a good proving grounds for it. I I, I have a hard time trusting North Carolina teams because they always I always feel like they lose a game that they're they should win. They they never quite live up to the hype. Mac Brown hasn't really got them to where they should be. But where they should I, be when we're talking about North Carolina, I mean, yeah, they still have eight wins, you know? right? But I agree. All that to say, I agree. I think North Carolina wins on a neutral field. There's a lot more hype. I think that that's a opening round, opening weekend loss. Yeah. Uh, then you've got uh, the fighting Bear Reinhardt with uh, Furman. Furman. The uh, what's the mascot? The Friars. Uh, I don't know. No, it's they're the Bulldogs. I'm pretty sure they're the Bulldogs. I'll Google it real quick uh, okay. while I write down a win 
uh, South Carolina gets oh, to that's right. one on the season. They're the Paladins. I was going to say Paladins. Why Dang, didn't you? I, why did I say it? Because I thought I was an idiot. Uh, and <laughs> the then Paladins. they go at the number one Georgia real quick. L there. Yep. And then Mississippi State at home. And I'm going to tell you, this is the this is the game that South Carolina fans have to circle. Because if you get to six, you have to have to have to win this Mississippi State game. And I don't think they do. I think they lose. I think State comes into town with a good defense that can rattle Spencer Rattler. I think I'm, I'm a fan of Kevin Barbary's offense. I think this is a game that Mississippi State wins on the road. Uh, listen, I like returning quarterbacks. Uh, I also like – Will Rogers is, could possibly be the all-time SEC passing leader. The difference in Will Rogers is I believe Will Rogers is a lot like what all of Mike Leach's other quarterbacks were, and it's a product of Mike Leach's system. You can say oh, you can you know you can say I'm a hater if you want to, but it's just a proven fact over the years. Is sure, that but they, the system the that we're going to be the system makes the quarterback in his system. and the system we're running now is going to be more like what he ran in high school that he set all kind of Mississippi yeah. passing records for in Brandon. It's a much more that's balanced fine. offense. I think I think that people are sleeping on Will Rogers, and that's fine. I think of the two quarterbacks, give me Will Rogers over Spencer Rattler based on the body of work that I've seen. And that's that's a fair that's a fair argument to make. I just I'm not making this about Mississippi State or not. This is South Carolina, Mississippi State. Uh, I'll give State the win. That's fair. I mean, I can, wow. To me, to me, I I see them pretty equal, and they both teams have their flaws. It's a toss opinion. up. This game's yeah. a toss up. I, um, honestly, this game is going to be whoever has the better day. It is, and, and I pray to God it's not an 11 a.m. kickoff because I'm going to be what? there, and if it is, it's going to be hot answer. as I'll get out. I just changed my answer because in games in which are a toss up. This game is at home for South Carolina. So, there you go. Yeah. Uh, three and one for South Carolina to start the year, according to Uncle Buck here. Then they go at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. Uh, that's a loss. That's a loss. Uh, this season is going very poorly for South Carolina so far. But what could fix all of their woes is a home date with Florida. Uh, ESPN loves Florida. Uh, Florida was very bad last year. Uh, what say you on this game? I've got South Carolina winning. It's at home. Florida, again, they lost Anthony Richardson. Yes, they added the quarterback from Wisconsin, but he's not that great. Their defense was porous last year. I don't know that they got a whole lot better. Again, oftentimes, in, like you said, in toss-up games, I'll go with the home team, and I'm taking South Carolina here. Fun fact, the only South Carolina game I ever went to was when they beat Florida three, two years ago and got Dan Mullen fired. Hmm. That was a good day. Um, <laughs> then they go at Missouri, go to Columbia. Uh, That's a game that at, a lot of people have them pick to lose from my research today. I don't think they lose that game, but that's a trend. That's a trendy pick that I noticed. Well, the trends on both of these teams is that Missouri's slowly climbing up. Slowly, slowly. Yeah. But South Carolina may have peaked last year early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of put uh, – South Carolina and the team we're going to put next, put their coaches in kind of the same basket. When you've got Shane Beamer and you've got, um, oh, oh, help me out, Sam Pittman. Sam Pittman. These guys are not specialists in anything. They're more of like a a CEO and a good motivator. delegator and a motivator. Yep. And uh, it's part of the reason why I don't really like Arkansas this year 
Uh, and the reason why I'm not really big on South Carolina this year is because I think that if you're not great at implementing something on your team, then the motivator thing only gets you so far, and it doesn't get you past that glass ceiling that you've got here before it kind of trickles down. The only one yeah. that has really broken through that, in my opinion, lately is Dabo, and you can kind of see where where that's got in the last few years anyways. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, I got a loss uh, for South Carolina at Missouri. Mm. So um, then you go at A&M, back-to-back road games. Uh, against the SEC West because mm-hmm. Missouri should be in the SEC West. Should be in the SEC uh, West. What do you think? Does Jimbo get a win here? Because you've given him a loss to everybody else that we've. <laughs> I think before. so. I think this is one that they win. I had him. I picked USC to beat Missouri, but I have them losing in that the at Kyle Field at A and M. So I have them two and six right now. You've got mm-hmm. them three and five. Mm-hmm. Uh, with. Jackson State coming, Jacksonville State coming. Up. Ooh, does yeah. that bring up bad memories? Uh, no, because that was just like the, <laughs> that was just like that was like Ethan Flat. I mean, there was like four different quarterbacks that Ed Ogeron was playing at the same time. Move on. Yeah. Uh, Jacksonville State's a win. Vandy, a win, a win. Uh, Kentucky. This will be. Uh, I mean, you're sitting at. <clears throat> So you're sitting at five and five right now. I'm sitting at mm-hmm. four and six. So I'm 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 feeling comfortable with the under here, with a week thirteen game against Clemson. Uh, if you're going to get them to bowl eligible and over six wins, uh, they're going to have to beat Kentucky. So I have that? them losing to Kentucky. I have them losing to Kentucky and beating Clemson. I know that's Again, a kind of a stretch. Yeah. I know, I know, but it's a rivalry game. Weird things happen. I had South Carolina at seven and five. Their five losses being one, two, three, four, five, being yeah. uh, Georgia, Mississippi State, UT, A and M, and Kentucky. Actually, and I had I, you convinced me of North Carolina, so I actually have them at six and six, which puts them at the under. Uh, it actually has it a push according to uh, DraftKings. Yeah, uh, I've got them at four and eight with wins against Furman, Florida, Jack State, and Vandy. Losses mm-hmm. to North Carolina, Georgia. Uh, no, you had them beat no, Mississippi State. I did have them beat Mississippi. So you have them I'm at, at five, five and seven. seven. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, I guess really, if you're looking at getting bowl eligible on my on my sheet here, uh, Kentucky at home is probably the game you have to get. Because mm-hmm. I don't. Re- that's the most gettable. Maybe I at think, Missouri, but that's yeah. on the road. So, I think that the hype is real with Frank Be- with Shane Beamer. I think that the he's got them pointing in the right direction, but this is a brutal schedule and yeah. it's tough to find wins. He's a great motivator. He had him up for the rivalry game last year to beat Clemson. I think six and six. I think seven and five is probably the ceiling if they sneak a win against State or Kentucky. But I think six and six is much more realistic. So then we get to Arkansas. This is the last time we're going to preview this week. Uh, Arkansas is over under seven. And so uh, I told you I was earlier in this podcast that I was a little lower on Arkansas. It seems like Vegas is too. Uh, and actually the under is the favorite at a minus 145. So a pretty substantial favorite peop- uh, I, people going under. Uh, spoiler alert, I'm leaning towards the under because – uh, according to the FPI, um, Arkansas is the 30th best team um, with their average 
Margin of victory on a neutral field being nine points. Their projected win-loss is 6.9 wins and 5.1 losses. So that's the over. So that would be the over. Uh, the key returners here, obviously they've got K.J. Jefferson and then they've got Rocket Sanders, who was the second-leading rusher in the SEC last year uh, in, a per yard, good. in a per yard, in a yardage race anyways. Second only, Quinshawn Judkins at Ole Miss, actually. Um they're both really good. Uh, KJ Jefferson is very limited. Uh, there was a lot of talk about him leaving because the Kendall Bryles left. His offensive coordinator left and went to TCU. The defensive coordinator left and took the head coaching job at UNLV. That would be Barry Odom. And so you've got key departures, just, and you also have a three-year uh, quarterback going on his third year as a starting quarterback. So you kind of have to weigh that out when you're looking at Arkansas and kind of the dichotomy between the two is the reason why I think a six or a seven over under seems pretty fair. Especially uh, they've got a gauntlet here in the middle of their schedule that we're going to get to. Uh, But they start out with Western Carolina. We're going to believe that's a win. Yep. Uh, And then Kent State uh, is a win against a group Mm -hmm. of five school. Uh, they got a tricky one with a new Big 12 team starting this year. They've got BYU making the return trip to Fayetteville after Arkansas went to Salt Lake City or to Provo last Provo. year. Uh, that's I think a Arkansas one. wins. It is, but it's a non-conference home game. I think they. I think Arkansas finds a way to I, win. I lean that way as well, but that's so where got, the gauntlet starts. Because we got them 3-0 yeah. hitting the teeth of yeah. the schedule. So uh, just to kind of give you a brief synopsis <sighs> here, they play four ranked teams in a row and three of them are at home. They only play four ranked teams all year, or preseason ranked teams this year. Uh, All four of them in a four-week span here. You've got at LSU for the Battle of the Boot. We believe that's a loss. We've covered that one. Yep. Uh, You've got A&M at home, which is, if you're going to get to seven, you've got to That's not at home. It's a neutral game. It's It's in Arlington. It's at Jerry World. Yep, you're right. You're right. Uh that's the stupidest thing in the world. If I'm if I'm Arkansas and I'm Texas A&M, I'm fighting like. You play like that game heck. in Fayetteville. You play that game in Kyle Field. Like yeah, that's how you that pay be. way too much money for these stadiums, and mm-hmm. you have way too good of a home field environment at Reynolds Razorback Stadium and at Kyle Field for you to ever think about going and playing yeah. a game in Dallas. Like it's yeah. so dumb. Especially because uh, it's such a big stadium, it's going to you're going to miss no a lot field. of what makes those schedules yeah. the stadiums great. Yeah, you look at you watch that game. The the Jerry Jones classic, you know, mm-hmm. you watch that game in Jerry World, and it doesn't look like college football. It looks no. like, you know, upper levels. You look like you're watching Allen High School play for the eight A state championship at <laughs> yeah. Jerry World. You know, yeah, that, that's it. Doesn't look like a college game. Uh, but aside from that, I do think that's a game that Arkansas wins. I've got them. Not playing, being great, but I think that's one they have to win to become bowl eligible based on the games that have them losing. Uh, you've got, yeah. So if you're, if you've got them going bowl eligible, it's not hard to get them bowl eligible. I find it hard to get them over seven. Right. Uh, no, I agree with that. Yeah. I think six wins is the ceiling and the floor. <laughs> uh, I've been really hard on AM. Uh, I don't believe in AM. I've said that. I don't think they'll ever beat a good team. Uh, a team that they're projected to beat, I mean, to lose to. I don't see them upsetting anybody right now under Jimbo Fisher. I don't like the culture there. Uh, however, I think 
and uh, that Arkansas is kind of weird and they're kind of lulling too. So I actually want to give that one to A and M. Uh, then you've got at Ole Miss, and if you know anything about Ole Miss and Arkansas, Ooh, is it is wild. a stupid game. Yeah. Uh, luckily for Ole Miss, it is at home this year. Uh, we're returning a starter. We're returning the leading rusher. They're returning a starter at quarterback, a three-year starter, and the second leading rusher. Uh, I think Ole Miss defense is better. Uh, I'm giving Ole Miss a win just because. Same. I, don't, I trust Lane Kiffin more in yeah. this game. Uh, there's just – it's a point that I was making about Shane Beamer. You've got a coach that's a CEO and a delegator that doesn't do anything great. And so you've got Sam Pittman, who uh, – he was a former offensive line coach. He's not in charge of the defense. He's not in charge of the offense. And so you really hope that that guy catches lightning in a bottle like Ed Ogeron did, where he has incredible coordinators. Well, Sam Pittman had incredible coordinators, and he lost both of them this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm not. That's the reason why I'm not high on Arkansas. This Agreed, year. and that's why crazy I've things, got them. crazy things happen in Ole yeah. Miss and Arkansas games. But you can't pick games uh, in August based on crazy factor. You know, right? You just kind of have to experience those in the moment. Right, especially in early October when the weather started to turn cool. Crazy things happen, but I don't think that Arkansas finds a way to win. I think that's the beginning of a ugly losing streak, I keep, and they I lose keep, to Ole Miss. Just a little inside note here. I'm writing these down. And I just put W by that because I'm like, yeah, Ole Miss is going to win. <laughs> and I did that same thing for uh, Mississippi State and South Carolina. I was like, yeah, we're going to win. W. <laughs> like, uh, then uh, Arkansas goes to Alabama. We believe loss. that's a loss. Uh, Mississippi State at home in Reynolds Razorback Stadium. That Cookie is things the happen. two most seasoned quarterbacks in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Cookie things happen. Usually, more, we usually play that game at War Memorial in Little Rock, and weird things happen. I went up there my junior year, and Darren McFadden and Felix Jones ran all over Mississippi State. Wasn't weird, anything weird about that? That was just no. It was just Darren better. McFadden, just Felix better. Jones, I and Peyton Hillis. <laughs> uh, Darren McFadden is the best athlete I've ever seen live and in person. He was but so good. I have State winning that game. Uh, I think that's one that we can we can find a way. We've had Arkansas's number of late. Uh, I think State wins. I think it's a loss for Arkansas. What is uh, – let me do a little bit of digging real quick. I've actually got the page up, so just give me two seconds. Um, looking to see what Mississippi State – what DraftKings has Mississippi State at this year. Um, uh, they right have them down. at uh, six and a half. Six and a half. With the under being the favorite. And so they've got them – so three FanDuel things. has them a half game apart in projection, you know. And this is this is a this is a spoiler alert for coming up. There are three things: death, taxes, and Mississippi State being picked last in the SEC West happens every year. And you wonder why I said last week that you guys are nationally irrelevant. We've I've got some interesting stats coming up. You you can find stats to justify anything. Let me tell you. I'm just looking at win. Like we're just gonna look at in two weeks. We're gonna look at at the last twelve years, thirteen years of win loss. But why we'll are you only there. looking at thirteen? Is that when the winning streak started for Mississippi State? We can go back further. Okay. But I'm just how about we so just far go all the way back to the start? Okay. If you okay. If you just want to pick an arbitrary date. Well, here, sure. Yeah, we, we can go, go back to the start yeah. and talk about teams in the 1940s, or we can look at teams that are relevant in our lifetime. But we'll get to that. But only in the last 13 years since. Oh no, Dan we can Mullen go back in our lifetime. We can go back in our lifetime. <laughs> okay. Jackie Sherrill in the late 90s. Anyway, we'll you want to going. talk about Jackie Sherrill? You want we'll to go there. back that far? We'll get there. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, just for that comment, Arkansas beats Mississippi State. <laughs> uh, uh, 
at Florida. If if you if ESPN believes in Florida, if you believe in Florida, you got to say that Florida beats Arkansas at home. You don't? I know. I don't. I don't believe in Florida at all. I've got Arkansas winning that game. Yeah, I kind of lean that way. Uh, Auburn, I'm going to have that as a loss. I've got it as a you're, win. I didn't... You're looking at – No, no, sorry. I did have that as a loss. I have that one as a loss yeah. as well. You're right. I mean, you're looking that's, – that's Hugh Freeze's ninth game in Auburn. If they're going to hit a stride, they're going to hit it at that point if they start mm-hmm. kind of turning a corner. Which is why the Iron Bowl is interesting. There's a big difference in turning a corner and then beating Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> you're not wrong. Uh, and then FIU is going to be a win, although FIU could win the jersey battle that day. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Missouri to end the season in, I guess, a Southwest Conference rivalry game. Yeah. I have that as a loss for Arkansas to get them to 6-6. Six and six. Uh, I've been harsh on Missouri, but I'm giving them a win against Arkansas. I'm going to give Arkansas the win here to get them to 7 and a push. Yeah, so I got them at 7-5. Yeah, and, I've, and the the swing game being the state home. game. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, that's the SEC games that we're going to preview for this week. Uh, Rusty, I've enjoyed it. I can already tell that in two weeks we're going to hate each other. Mm-hmm. It's um, going to be such because, a good episode. Yeah, because you are just going to fabricate whatever stat you can to justify your end calls. Don't, don't even pretend. Don't shake your head at me like you – you've got something up your sleeve that's not biased because you cannot find a stat in or, which you Our win losses are wins and 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 13 Again, years is as far as i've gone back our wins and losses biased is is, is, uh, no, pro, is, pro, is production on the field biased yeah, but how you frame it will be you, how do you how no, do you frame a record you is, say one team is three and seven one team's this, eight and five one team's ten and two one team's seven and five how do you frame that this is how you frame it if you say the past 13 years, for instance, look at the that past 13 years. That I've gotten to so far. So huh? far. I said okay. so far. Well, you can make it a lot easier and go back to the beginning. Or you, I, what I'm saying, you can find any stat. I say this as somebody who wants to justify I can. I'm saying it for myself, too. I can justify any stat that I want to find, any, any mm-hmm. bias that I want to find. And I just want you to admit that going in, that you are looking for stats that justify your biases. Just I, like I am, I am. I am justifying why Don't I think Mississippi State is the better unbiased. team. I, I, I'm very biased towards okay. Mississippi State, and I looked up Mississippi State records since 2010, Ole Miss records since 2010. That's what I looked up to get the numbers. I just want to know why you picked 2010. Is that because that was the first one that I came up to? Ed Ogeron was coach, <laughs> or I, I mean, first. that 2010 was the year we lost, lost to Jacksonville State and Houston Nut tanked the whole thing. That's Again, why you picked 2010. So That's far, my point. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it relevant for our lifetimes. I'm gonna go back to 1987, and we'll see what happens. Okay, I mean I can't <laughs> tell you what happened in 1987. I wasn't born yet because I wasn't born until like <laughs> 10 years after you were. Right, but I'm gonna go back. So you, to your point, I'm gonna go back and make it relevant over a large sample size. But so far, anyway. Yeah, I'm just gonna say before we get out to it. Uh, your most successful head coach in our lifetime had a losing record against Ole Miss. Sure. Again. So yeah. So then, okay. Then so then how does that how does that help my point that I went back to Dan Mullen? Huh? How just, does that help my point? I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, your I'm most saying. successful head coach and your most successful team lost to Ole Miss. Yeah, but you know, your prize child. <laughs> you lost to Joe Moorhead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, we were we were in bad times. That, that was the worst of us. This and is going this, to be a great episode. And we beat you guys episode. at the best of you. 
This is going to be a great episode. You, you, you I was there you for the, the Sneed for Heisman year. Teams. RIP, I was there for the Sneed for Heisman year. Yeah, listen, we need to get into Jevin. We can get into Jevin Sneed if you want to. That's a sad story. It, it really is. It Again, is I feel bad for the guy because the got hype was hit. not his fault. He got hit his sophomore year against Texas, and it did so much damage to him that yeah. it ended up costing him his life. Yeah, 100%. That Sneed for Heisman 100%. year was going into his junior year, mm-hmm. and his family came out and said after the fact – that he was he knew he was so messed up that he was trying he came out early to try to get money you know to yeah. help his family 100 because he knew yeah and i agree so uh, that's a sad part beside it but the same point goes that we beat y'all at your best as well but anyway that's coming up in a couple was, of weeks that was, a, that was a, one of the worst losses of my life mm-hmm. so that's coming up in a couple of weeks but drew this was a good episode do yourself a favor look up your doppelganger redheaded lookalike i guess is a fella who is blowing up all over social media it's a great song it's come out um what's it oliver austin have you seen this song no i haven't uh richmond north of richmond uh how have you not seen this song oh my gosh one that that (sighs) hanging out in the hill country these days moonshine territory (laughs) listen do yourself a favor look up the song it's a great country folk kid in the lines of tyler childers who i'm seeing in concert saturday night zach bryan kind of in that vein if you like that kind of music do yourself a favor look it up um great song great great song check it out before you listen to us next week let us know what your comment and thoughts about the song are drew tell them where they can find us and interact with us this week yeah so uh y'all tune in to our instagram page the number two buck sports podcast and uh Oh, we're on Apple Music, the number two buck or two buck sports podcast on Apple Music and Spotify and YouTube. You can catch all three of them this week since we are in our home bases here this week mm. and not traveling. So, uh, like I said, we recorded this on Monday night, Jan- uh, August the fourteenth. Uh, it will post on our normally post date. So anything that happened after nine thirty on August the fourteenth, we are not liable for. Right. Exactly. So give us some grace. You can come at us if you want to, but recognize that this is 1030 Eastern on Monday, August 14th as we're wrapping this up. So don't hold us liable for anything new. Have a good week, guys. All right, guys. See ya.